Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Epsilon and their award-winning People Cloud loyalty solution. Today, I'm delighted to announce that I'm taking part in Epsilon's Persona Live event this June. Persona Live is a series of online events designed to inspire marketeers with thought leadership, best practices, as well as interactive discussions around identity and personalizing our customers' experiences. If you'd like to register for this free event and hear from Epsilon clients such as Marriott, Inspire Brands, GM Financial and FedEx, just go ahead and visit epsilon.com forward slash Let's Talk Loyalty. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today, I'm delighted to have my first guest on the show for a second time. Adam Poster, well known to many listeners as a loyalty specialist based out of Australia, and also particularly renowned for the publication of his annual report known as For Love or Money. So, today Adam came onto the show to talk through some of the really fascinating learnings and lessons that came through in the latest research. He, for example, talks about some dramatic changes in activity rates by members of loyalty programs in the Australian market, some fascinating interest in the use of plastic cards by consumers, and well as some exciting insights on what new technologies customers are themselves specifically enjoying using. So, without further ado, I'm really excited to talk about For Love or Money with Adam Posner. So, Adam, please do tell me, what is your favorite loyalty statistic in 2021? 2021 has revealed some amazing statistics for me because of the release of our For Love or Money uh, research study this year. But one that just blew me away, Paula, um, and more surprised than I am delighted, is that we every year have been tracking since 2017 what I call member interaction, identification, and payment okay. integration okay. with loyalty yeah. programs. And of the four elements that we research, we always look at the loyalty card and then paying separately. We look at mobile apps or mobile with payment yeah. integration. We look at uh, you know apps with payment separate. And we also look at just a unique identifier, give me your email yeah. or whatever it is. And since 2017, the use of loyalty cards has been declining significantly. Sure from 81% preference down to about 47% yeah. in yeah. 2020. And then in 2021, I got the results and loyalty card preferences significantly jumped to 55% of members saying they preferred to interact with the program with wow. the card. So, wow, that blew that- me away. <laughs> Um, what do you think about what do you think about that statistic? <laughs> well, I I don't know 
what to make of it, I have to say, is is the honest answer. Um, we talked yeah. about this a little bit before, Adam, and part of me was kind of like going, is it back to the prestige factor? Is it people wanting their silver and their gold cards? Because historically, that's that's the only reason I've ever really enjoyed presenting a card. Um, yeah. And I didn't, I don't feel it is that, Adam. So I don't know whether it's just, you know, people prefer certainty, whether there's something about this COVID mindset where people are kind of going, do you know what, actually, you know, it's just nice to kind of, you know, make sure I get my points and all of that. So, I mean, it's it's the, you know, the original form of identification, as we know, the, the yeah. most reliable. But my experience when I was thinking back, for example, to Ireland, um, you know, if I would hand over, let's say, my grocery, which would have been the plastic card I used the most, that did require yeah. me to hand it to the person, you know, so that they yeah. would take it. So there's contact. And again, with health in mind, I was kind of thinking, no, actually, I don't want to have contact or transferring cards. So I really don't know what to make of it, Adam. I mean, it really is a really surprising statistic. Yeah, and surprised me too. And I mean, we in our research, we don't ask why. Why did you give that preference? And, and, yeah. and note to myself in twenty twenty two, I'm going to ask why. <laughs> um, but but I did, I did dig a bit deeper into the into the demographic and generational uh, segments because okay. we also analyze by gender, and we also look at uh, you know Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Y, and, and baby boomers. And I noticed that baby boomers have a massive pre- preference. Eighty-two uh, percent said they prefer okay. the card, whereas Gen Y, thirty, I think it was thirty-six percent said uh, you know they prefer other. Well, they don't prefer the card as much. So, yeah. okay. so you've got to look deeper into the insights. You know what they say about statistics sometimes. And you just got to go <laughs> a little bit deeper and, and see where the insight is. Yeah. So no, I don't actually have a reason. I mean, I think. Uh, just a personal point of view in Australia, I think there's some of the big programs still have, you know, many older members. They still love the card. Some programs have been coming into the market and launching with with many options. You know, the app, you know, the mobile integration as well as a card to cover all bases. Okay. You know, some of the, my hypotheses. However, um, back to your question, that surprised me the most um, okay. amongst okay. many others. Okay, well, it's a big statistic for sure, Adam, um, and and definitely one, as you said, I, I really want to get in and understand it and and challenge myself and and maybe some of my other guests as well to see if that yeah. says something that they're also seeing because I think you know what I really was thinking about in preparation for this conversation was it's so important to get the consumer perspective, but actually yeah. what we might also start needing to do is really start to get the B two B perspective and talk uh-huh. to more of our own community um, just to kind of see if anybody's experiencing it outside, for example, of Australia and New Zealand. Um, yeah. So definitely, I think it's it's going to provoke something. So I know when we publish this podcast yeah. together, uh, we'll get plenty of commentary. So we'll, we'll certainly enjoy that. So for people who aren't familiar, Adam, with particularly this report, um, I know it's the ninth edition. Um, so it's called For Love or Money. It's the 2021 report um, and obviously reflects the loyalty market from a consumer perspective, both in Australia and I know in New Zealand. So I guess the really um, important piece for me to understand, thinking about listeners in the US and, and in the UK, for example, is really, you know, just give us the context for how do you do the report? Why do you do the report? Uh, I think I've talked about where you do the report and, and just even when. So we're chatting here today. Now it's May. Um, but yeah, just give us a bit of the context of, of where this whole kind of concept came from. Yeah, thank you for asking that. 
Um, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a loyalty consultant, independent, uh, always looking to learn. And I woke up one day, and in fact, I met uh, a colleague of mine, his name's Pete Noble, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago. And I said, I just think we need to do some insights yeah. uh, about asking consumers what they think about uh, loyalty and loyalty programs. Yeah. And fast forward to today where I've now done 14 studies. Wow. The, the context is really just to keep myself fresh and really inspire the loyalty community. And like you do it with your podcast and your content. Yeah. So, so this study has now become uh, inspiration for loyalty marketers, for, for agencies. Even my competitors love the, pro, the, the research, yeah. um, you know, consultants, loyalty technology providers. I guess I'm trying to lift I'm trying to lift the loyalty industry to out of what my mantra is, um, out of the sea of sameness. Oh, so yes. If yeah. I can get insights, um, which it, it, just because it's the Australian market and New Zealand market doesn't mean these don't translate totally. worldwide. Yeah. Um, and, and it is a robust study. It's an independently commissioned. It's a thousand, a thousand plus consumers. So the sample size is significant. The margin of error is around 3%. So, the okay. sentiment is there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the background. Uh, it's to Great. try and inspire our industries to our industry to be better. Absolutely. Yeah. And definitely that's something we've always shared, Adam. I think we bonded on LinkedIn initially, um, but there is, um, yeah. we're both, you know, genuinely um, intrigued. And I, I've started saying in my own conversations, the reason I'm podcasting is because I have more questions than I have answers. <laughs> so I'm always relieved yeah. <laughs> when I have someone like you who's got lots of answers. <laughs> so, uh, so it's always great. <laughs> <laughs> and and one really yeah. important point as well for, for people listening. Um, I mean, you know, you know, there's there's over a hundred shows ha- have gone out. You are my very first yes. uh, returning guest, Adam. So I think wow. uh, I think that's uh, first of all a credit to you. Um, last uh-huh. year, I remember it was just as as COVID was was starting to to land in terms of the impact yeah. on us as professionals. We did a great show based on some research you'd done then, which I think was called 190 loyalty ideas to beat COVID-19. So that was an extraordinary show. Um, And yeah, and and particularly I know how well respected this report is. So for Love or Money, uh, phenomenal and great to have access to it. So so let's dive in, Adam. There's, um, I think, first of all, a really comprehensive executive summary that we know is available to everybody free of charge around the world. I was obviously reading it in preparation for today, a full 22 pages. So plenty there in the executive summary alone. <laughs> so I don't know how many sleepless nights you had, yeah. Adam, in pulling it together. But tell me... I don't um, want to tell you how many <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you have some support in terms of the agency behind you doing it because, again, I think market research has to be has to be run again. As we say for loyalty programs, same with market research, has mm. to be done by professionals. Mm. So, so that's super. Um, but given how much the depth of, of what you've been um, researching, Adam, what are the key points that you want to highlight let's say even you know what's what's the the first big thing that you noticed in this report for love or money 2021 um the big thing for me is we've been tracking for now eight years what i call member activity okay so how active are members in programs and that is a key metric in fact is one of my favorite statistics from other conversations you and i have had yeah and that member you know you know, loyalty managers around the world have many ways of measuring success. Yeah. And one, and perhaps one of the most important ones, besides revenue and return on investment and a few others, mm. one of the most important is how active are their members? 
Yeah. However they define them. Yeah. And I've seen a, a steady decline. Uh, in fact, uh, the current statistic or, or measure according to how we study it is sitting at uh, 43% said wow. they're active in all of their programs, and that's declined over eight years. So it's a little bit sobering, but it's also a wake-up call. Yeah. Um, you know, some people listening here will say, well, that's 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 okay. My member engagement or active is at yeah. 70%. Well, good luck and, and give me a call yeah. afterwards and tell me what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, that is, so, so that to me is, is one of those benchmarks that every loyalty marketer should think about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that keeps me honest and, and keeps everyone else. Mm. Uh, the other trend that, that I've been tracking, and, and it's more about this concept of loyalty versus loyalty program. Yes. Now, I'm a big believer in that loyalty is not a program. Yeah, yeah. Um, and loyalty is an outcome. Mm. And I've been studying for the last five years in the study about what I call the 11 dimensions of loyalty. Yeah. So I call them the two dimensions. I call them behavior and belief. Mm. And there's a lot of what I call layers underneath that. Mm. So transactional loyalty, emotional loyalty, but I call them behavior and belief. And I've heard many of your podcasts, yeah. Uh, yeah, people talk about this, but we've been studying these 11 dimensions to see how they've been tracking and moving. Mm. Um, and in 2021, I'm seeing a little bit of a, a move away from what I call behavioral loyalty, which is the transaction, yeah. more into the emotional connections yeah. um, and dimensions. Yeah. Now, Transactional is still number one and two. You yeah. know, it hasn't moved, but it is slowly, um, mm. uh, it's slowly dissipating okay. into what I call the belief loyalty. Yeah. Um, so that I think is another thing for the wider loyalty community to always ask themselves loyalty versus loyalty program. Uh, and yeah. I'm a true believer that they are different. You're totally right, Adam. And I've often made the point on the show that the reason that this podcast is not called Let's Talk Loyalty Programs is exactly yeah. that. So if this is about what I would say is the emotion of loyalty, what you describe as the outcome of loyalty. Um, and yeah. to me, you know, surprisingly, for example, one of my most listened to shows is nothing got to do with points or prizes or, or any of our mechanics. Uh, it's actually about yeah. the concept of simplicity. So I'm sure you have plenty of views about that as well. But again, if there's a way to drive um, loyalty from customers, um, actually, well, just make it easy. <laughs> it's something that I've learned exactly. along the way. You know, it shouldn't be complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you're right. I do study uh, some of the mechanics of programs. And my little mantra there is what I call SPV, simple, personal, valuable. Simple, Lovely. Yeah. Personal and valuable. SPV. Love it. Yeah. And um, I also study that and ask members, uh, you know, how they rate the experience around simplicity, personalization or being personal and yeah. how valuable the program. Now, again, I'm not surprised to see that, you know, value value comes through. But yeah. simplicity is still key, yeah. um, you know, for members as yeah. it is for internally. So yes. yeah. um, I agree with what you're saying there. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's lots of different ways that simplicity can come through, Adam. Um, but just because you mentioned um, program structures, that was one of my favorite uh, parts of reading the, the executive summary for the report because it reflects some of the work I've done in the past. So maybe it's just my ego. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but it's always good validation, you know, because again, there's a, an eternal debate, I think, in our industry about, you know, the value of points, the value of gamification, the value of partnerships. So, 
So I'd love maybe just to talk about any any conclusions around that whole area of program structure. And again, I know it's, you know, predominantly Australian consumer research, but again, I think it'll give food for thought to listeners in, in all markets around the world. Yeah. Now, when we talk about, thank you for asking that one, when we talk about program structure, you know, you know, as you say, we've got to look at a whole range of elements. And in every research we do, we do look at things like tiering versus no tiering, subscription yeah. versus free. We look at immediate yeah. rewards versus saving up for, for the future. Yeah. We look at gamification as a structural element. We looked this year, we looked at adding partnerships into the ecosystem of a program. Yeah. Do members want to be rewarded outside of the program or only from within the, in the ecosystem of the brand? So we look at a myriad of different uh, program structures. Yeah. Um, I don't know which one of those you want to, you want to pick on, but or, so many. Or, or discuss. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many and, and structures of programs there are, are many I, I was particularly interested to understand where partnerships are going yes. with programs yes that seems to be the hot the hot yeah. area at the moment everyone's mm-hmm. saying let's add value to our members let's bring in partners from outside and mm. add more to the to the life of a member okay. so I asked this year in the research do you prefer to be you know rewarded from only within the brands um products and services and, and 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 offerings or do you prefer would you you know like to see offers from external yeah. and um i try to keep an open mind I, I i knew i had a feeling what would happen yeah. but i was I'm neither surprised nor i was delighted but not that surprised to see that they want partnerships so they want added value yeah um, uh, members want that extra outside of of a, of a brand yeah, and that is exactly the conclusions that 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 I always had again, Adam, with, you know, kind of blind research, talking to people because we were doing programs entirely based on partnerships. Um, yeah. But when it came to rewarding, certainly our members, we found that there was sometimes this perception that if you reward people just with your own core product, um, and it was in the telecoms industry in this example, um, they sometimes felt that that was a little bit lazy, that, you know, yeah. okay, you know, that's fine, that's kind of expected and I know you're a big fan of of joy in in, in terms of the, the creating moments yes. so we'll definitely need to talk about that but the research that we had for example and again it was one company at one moment in time but there was a triple um benefit as in the it was three times more impressive to a member mm-hmm. if they had if they saw a member sorry a partner reward versus our own core we used to call them core rewards versus third party mm-hmm. rewards so i definitely mm-hmm. think that that's something that's coming in through in your research and before we talk about joy we can't skip over the subscription versus free adam because that's a that's a hot topic i was speaking uh-huh. at an event myself this morning and it's you know they said what's the next big mega trend and because it was a non-loyalty audience, I exactly said paid loyalty, certainly in mature markets, is is exploding. Um, giving mm-hmm. the example in my my experience of Panera Bread, um, the, the big coffee chain and, and cafes yeah. in the US. So what did mm-hmm. Australian customers say about uh, paid loyalty versus free loyalty programs? Yeah, so you've got to contextualize this very carefully because in a, yeah. in a research study, you yeah. don't prove the value. So you don't, you know what I mean, with paid or subscription, the value has to be there, no question. And you've got to prove the value. So if you're asking somebody to part with money yes. for a, a range of benefits or ongoing, you know, savings, you've yeah. got to prove that value. It's got to be yeah. overt. And, yeah. and so in a study like this, we don't have the pleasure of saying, you know, yes. pay five, $17 Here's an a example. month. Yes. So we just ask very straightforward question, which is, you know, do you prefer 
a program that has free membership with mm-hmm. access to a limited range of benefits and savings okay. versus a program with a subscription membership that provides access to a extended range of benefits and savings. Okay. Okay. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to give context to the results. Yes. Um, because the result is overwhelmingly that members want a free program. Okay. Yeah. But you're right. So, in Which that context. <laughs> Absolutely. Because there's no value proven by the proposition, yeah? Yes, so perfect. What yeah. this says, though, is subscription programs and pay programs are a huge benefit for business. Yeah, yeah. For a whole range of reasons. Yes. Benefit for members it has to be proven, and as I've said, keep showing the value. And, in fact, we've just seen a, a big launch of Uber, of, a, of an Uber pay program in Australia now. Yes. Where I think it's around $14. In fact, my son, who's a big Uber user, yeah. was it was saying to me, he said, Dad, do I use Uber enough and Uber eats enough to, to pay them $14 a month in order to get enough savings back? Because I think it was 10% back on rides. And look, I don't know all the details, so anyone can go online and check them out. Yeah. But we had to do a quick calculation to say if you pay $14 a month, are you spending enough with Uber and Uber Eats to override the $14? To justify the spend. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, what better way than to go to your dad, who's a loyalty expert, and say, dad, can you do the, do the spreadsheet, please? So uh, so what was your conclusion? I, I said, you go do the spreadsheet. <laughs> Even better. I said, you go do the numbers. But I said to him, you've got to make sure you spend enough yeah. to regularly enough, which I yeah. know he does, unfortunately, I'm yeah. paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But therein lies exactly the point about paid or subscription programs. I think it's a very, very well made point, Adam. And I know there is no such thing as a magic wand. Um, what I would say is I recently wrote an article from the consumer perspective about the benefits of subscription. Now, yes. clearly I'm yes. biased because I like innovation and I think it's kind of cool and yes. sexy. Um, But genuinely, I think um, human psychology, particularly at a time like now, is that people want certainty and they want consistency. So when you talk about, again, the one I'm familiar with, Panera Bread, $8.99 excuse me, for unlimited coffee throughout a month is an extraordinary level of certainty and consistency for a customer. But to your point about the business, and again, I was just looking at all the numbers this morning, 70% of those subscribers increase their spend on food. So there is an incredible business case, again, in that example. So I'll have to try and get Uber on the show. So um, thank you for exploring the whole point about subscription or paid loyalty programs. Mm. And the other Mm. one that I definitely saw that you had some interesting conclusions and I want to get your, you know, I suppose your expert perspective, um, whether it compares or contrasts with what your actual uh, members said or your respondents said, and that's around gamification because... Mm. I do find gamification, again, a fascinating strategy, definitely not one that fits everyone. But uh, what I saw coming through in the, in the report was that consumers sound underwhelmed by this as a strategy. But what's your view? Is that is that your conclusion? And what's your, again, professional conclusion on, on gamification? Again, another topic within the whole context of, you know, increasing engagement within a program, you know, yeah. the purpose... We've got to go back to the strategy and the purpose of why put gamification within the context of a program. And yeah. they can prove to be massively successful and, get, you know, it depends on how successfully put together the program. I mean, the gamification is and the psychology of them. And Because yeah. gaming 
is in our is in our DNA. It's in loyalty, isn't it? It is. And, and gamification just lifts it lifts it higher. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's certainly a, a place for it. Yeah. It's just got to be put into context of who the customer is, remembering the audience, yeah. and what it does to engage with the program. But you're right. The results weren't overwhelmingly, um, you know, positive uh, sorry, or significant. Yes. Yeah. In yeah. terms of them saying include gamification in programs. I think only 34% said they were interested. Yeah. So that leaves the rest either not interested or neutral. Yeah. So, you know, a third of, let's pretend we go to a, a business, a brand, and they say, oh, we want to do gamification. And I say, mm. well, look, potentially only a third of your members, based on my research, don't know, yeah. you do your own, yeah. Yeah. Uh, would be interested. Mm. So now yeah. do the numbers. Exactly, exactly. And I guess, yeah, uh, it also comes to, you know, what what third, you know, is it my Pareto third, you know, are these yep. the VIP customers that actually love yep. it? Or is it the Gen yep. Z who who are maybe saying no, that they're totally cynical? So you're absolutely but, right. Uh, and, and just to uh, just to add on to that, in this case, in, in our study, the Gen Z and Gen Y were more significantly into it. Yes. So just to, uh, to close yeah. off the loop on this one, that those two generations were significantly more interested than the general. So back okay. to who's your audience, yes. back to who's your audience and, yeah. and understanding that where you'll get the engagement from. Love it. Love it. Yeah, no, again, another point very well made. So um, definitely appeals to people who I'm going to say perhaps have been educated over time, you know, with, um, you know, yeah. just with just with life and digital life and being digital native. So yeah. you're right. The, the 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 psychology of gaming is certainly not new, but um, experiencing it and seeing a benefit from it um, and a reason yeah. to, to engage with it. That that's a definitely a different conversation. Um, yeah. The other really big thing, which I know is um, is super exciting uh, for for us as as industry professionals, Adam, is um, the leaderboard. So you know, which are seen as the best loyalty programs from again your research consumer perspective in Australia. And um, there are two programs that absolutely lead the the field, um, but there's dramatic change happening there as well, Adam. So so tell us exactly what came through. Yeah, this this part of the research is uh, for for different reasons very interesting. I mean, you know, the brands do like to know you know a perspective on on what consumers say, and by definition, in our study, we say who do you think is doing a very good job. So yes. we don't go into what that actually means. We don't okay. give dimensions of what very good job means. We just look for a for an unprompted answer to that. Okay. And yes, look, the two very big programs, Flybys and Woolworths Everyday Rewards, have been in a tight tussle for a number of years. Um, but this year, Woolworths Reward, Everyday Rewards jumped dramatically, in fact, significantly. Still came second, but just. Wow. Just. So I feel as if there's there's a, there's a you know, there's this whole uh, what's happening in the market, what are they doing differently um, I don't know specifically. I mean, I've got a focus group of one. My wife went into <laughs> Woolworths the other day. She yeah. came rushing in. And said they just gave me a thousand bonus points, and I said, "Well, that's wow. because you're married to me." Um, <laughs> Brilliant. They didn't, they didn't know that. Don't, I don't think they have a flag on her to know no. that, that she that, that I'm the, the the husband of um of the author of the report. So yeah, um, no. It, genuinely, I literally do, and I I know this is not a video. But I've literally got the receipt, and it says a thousand bonus points back to you. Wow! Um, and we can hypothesise why, but I'm just giving you one example yes, of please. what happened with Everyday Rewards. Now, it could be happening with flybys as well. I have no, I know, 
I have yeah. no case in point. Okay. But there is just this one little um, <laughs> a data point to say maybe they are doing something uh, differently to, to lift up their program. Amongst others, other programs coming in every year, we've got new entrants, um, you know, programs, uh, uh, you know, this year, um, I've just got to remember, I think it's Mecca Beauty Loop. That's right. Mecca come in. Yes, um, yes, I can see that. And, yes. Yep. Okay, and, um, so, so new entrance. Okay. It's always, it's always interesting for me to see which brands are coming in. Uh, ultimately, I just had a chat uh, with another brand that didn't feature this year and phoned me and said, well, why? And I said, well, I, I don't ask why. You know, you should do your own research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what category so, would that be in, Adam? Can you say the category that that's... No, I think I'll, it'll be too obvious if I okay. say. So, okay, okay. Uh, I'll leave it off. But you tell the, me offline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell you offline. The, the point I'm making is that's just one part of the whole study and yeah, it creates a lot of interest naturally. Yes. As a strategy person, I think there's so much more Yeah. Uh, outside of that. But yeah, you know, I thought yeah. that story back to the, back to the surprise and delight. Well, you know what? I think it's it's good for both brands as well, Adam, because, uh, you know, Flybys have been on the program. It's an extraordinary program, hugely well-respected. Um, so I'm just looking at your numbers, in fact. So last year, 30.8% of people said, you know, that that was the program doing a very good job. And Woolworths Rewards was 19.4. So kind of good 10 percentage points behind. And as you said, then, first of all, clearly Woolworths Rewards was rebranded. So it's now, I believe, called Everyday Rewards. But the, the margin is so tight now. So Flybys is showing 29.7% and the Woolworths Everyday Rewards program literally just behind, as you said, 28.9%. So clearly they're doing something right. Yeah, and I went back to my analyst and I said, please check the numbers. And he came back yeah. and said, nothing's changed, Adam. The numbers are the numbers. Great. Um, okay, good. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it proves that it's all there to be done, Adam. And I think, you know, to your point, we are strategists. Um, it also means now that Woolworths Rewards is on my prospect list for please come on, be a guest on the show so we can explore sure. and see. And maybe it is a case where, you know, they're, they're, they're going with surprise and delight and your wife might be one of, you know, a lot of lucky people who are getting a thousand bonus points and quite delighted, obviously, to have that experience. And actually, the other one that um, I know you use the terms kind of surprised and delight uh, but I think I was probably most disappointed, let's say, because at the bottom of that league table, I think there was 11% said that nobody does a really good job of loyalty. Ah, <laughs> I love somebody who actually notices the negatives, not the positives. It's, in, every, yeah. in every set of data, there's always the, the other yeah. side of the, yes, that's absolutely true. So yeah. again, that keeps us all honest, that yeah. uh, programs yeah. need to continuously improve. Yeah. And that's where the rest of the insights in the study, and in fact, talking about, there's a great question, Paula, because we can segue straight into, you know, our loyalty programs actually improving. Yeah. And we do, we do ask that, and we have been asking that over the years, and that's tracking upwards. So they are improving. Okay. Um, and the three areas that are improving according to members are number one, the earn rate seems to be getting better. Okay. the same program earn rate is getting a bit better. Yeah. Number two, this is general. Number two, they say simplicity. Great. Uh, wow, back to they give you a little bit simpler. My favorite. Great news. Yes. And are they improving? And the third area of improving is in the use of technology. Ooh. So that's great. And now the program managers are doing a good job in improving the value of the earn rate. Yeah. They're doing a good job in simplifying their programs because yeah. we're, we're all tired of being uh, of mental gymnastics. And the third <laughs> is 
Yeah. Yeah. And they are getting into technology and, and everything else. So those are all the, that's all good news. Yes. Then we ask, and I think this is also important for managers or programs around the world. We then said, well, where do you think programs need to improve in the future? Of course. Um, so the, the same sort of contextualized options were given and the three that come up as where they need to be improving the, in the future. Number one, which I'm not surprised is earn rate. So of keep course. giving me more value. Yeah. Clearly, we all I'm greedy. Value. So that's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. More, more. more value. And yeah. Number two was um, more surprise and delight or joy. Ah. So, um, you know, seeing seeing that one come up is more surprise and delight. And then third was more, a more non-financial reward. So that's a okay. great call out to, yeah. to loyalty program managers to start adding more non-financial ways of rewarding and recognizing their members. Yeah. But surprise and delight is, you know, um, it's been said so many times. Yeah. It still works so powerful. Yes. My favorite term out of that is joyalty. Yeah, um, tell you us. heard me talk about joyalty. I have. Um, it's Adam. not my word. It's okay. not my word. I I got it from a book I read on Amazon. The book was called Brand Currency. Okay. But he did. I gave it its own definition. So I've borrowed the word, but I've created my own definition of joyalty in loyalty program land. Yeah. And it's it's your customers' feeling of maximum joy and delight from one or a series of moments of magic delivered by your brand. Mm, beautiful. So that's my little definition. Um, people can yeah. rewind the back and, <laughs> yeah. and listen to it. Yeah. The more moments of magic uh, that we put into our programs, yeah. um, you know, the, the emotional connection drives goes up and all yeah. the other the benefits come out of it. So I was yeah. pleased to see that that came through into how programs could yes. improve in the future. Yeah, great. And again, it's probably, you know, uh, in some way a reflection of the the mindset of the current, you know, scenario of life can feel a little bit difficult and, and you know, challenging, a lot of anxiety around. So what can we yeah. do as brands and businesses to counteract that? And, um, yeah. and again, a point I often repeat about being loyal to your customers. I think if you do build in the surprise and delight strategy, um, it does come back. Again, it takes patience, it takes time. And uh, in my experience, it's hard to build an entire proposition around surprise and delight because then you can't promise anything. So yeah, it kind of it's it's almost like the, the the cream on top of of something that can be enjoyed and looked forward to and everything. So um so definitely joyalty will will we'll definitely endorse that one. I thought it was your word by the way. So uh, well done. No, no, I just wanted to make sure I want to give reference where where it, where it comes true. from. But I, I I've defined it differently. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. The other one I love actually, and you touched on it, um, I suppose, just as, you know, one of the areas improvement, Adam, uh, the use of technology, which I often think is is lost and there's often not a consumer benefit to better technology or, or an understanding. But my favorite or one of my favorite technologies is the whole piece around card linking. So I can see yes. um, yeah. there's there's been incredible. And what I might ask you to do, Adam, actually, just before you comment on it, is just to explain card linking as it's, you know, executed, let's say, in the Australian market. Because um, I was thinking about card linking versus co-brand cards and my different experiences with, with how they compare and contrast. 
Um, you know, because ultimately, again, we all want the maximum value. Um, so mm. I get, you know, I have a co-brand card, so I kind of get points on everything. Uh, but mm. yet card linking is super important. And I, I love the simplicity of that. So so would you, I'd love you just to explain the card linking as, as it came through in the research and, uh, and exactly what came through. Yeah, so card linking is not the word we use in the research because consumers wouldn't understand that. That's a yeah. more strategy technology, yes. uh, loyalty people speak, yeah? Yeah, for but sure. What we, explain, what we explain it as, you know, the integration of payment yes. into a mobile app with rewards. So it's an all-in-one experience is you, you tap, you yes. get your rewards, and you pay at the same time in whatever form or function that is. Great. We call it card linking. Yes. They see payment integrations. That's how we explain it. Nice. And that, to me, has jumped 400% in preference since we started asking that same question five years ago. Wow. So wow. Yeah. by definition, um, as I've explained, that has become a huge um, preference mm. for, for members. On yeah. Although it's still lying second to the loyalty card. Remember our earlier conversation? Because it's all still in the same from that. <laughs> growing dramatically and in fact it reminds me of a quote that that kevin kelly who's a co-founder of wide magazine he says he says something to the effect of um the future happens very slowly and then all at once yes 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 my goodness yeah kevin and is is a phenomenal mind yes yeah. it is it's extraordinary you know and again I, i'm not even sure all industry professionals are using the same kind of terminology around card link loyalty but i think what we all know is that you know there has to be an identifier as you mentioned earlier um, and why not make that the payment card you know why why mm. make it anything else you know that the only guaranteed mm. piece of uh you know transaction that's going to happen is you're going to get paid so let's let's mm. make that the single point of truth. So um, mm. I am a huge fan of that. So great to see it coming through in the research. Um, mm. I think the uh, maybe last or maybe second to last, Adam, I wanted to ask about the COVID piece because we can't not discuss, you know, any implications on COVID-19 to how Australian consumers uh, say they're feeling in terms of their loyalty to brands? What, what kind of came through? I know you did some explicit questioning around this. Yeah, we, we needed to do that only because in 2020, when we did the study, COVID hadn't hit. And yeah. in fact, I was in a, in a little bit of a challenge in, in early 2020 when um, the results yeah. came out and I said to my researcher, yeah. oh, this is pre-COVID. And she said, don't worry, Adam, be patient. Let's do it next year, 2021, and see if there's any uh, you know changes or anything like that. So that's the sort of the background to it. Okay. Um, but specifically, I did look at the influence of, um, of what I call loyalty programs while, while COVID-19 prevails. And so it's still around. And so we're asking members, you know, did, a, did being a member of a program actually influence you through this period mm. um, and your brand loyalty? So does the program actually have an influence? You know, you know the brand, you know the program, the certain things like you said, the certainty and so on. Mm. Um, and yes, we did find what that while COVID-19 does prevail, um, 48% of the members in, in our study said that they tend to stay loyal to a brand whose program they're a member of. Mm. Okay. So the influence of a program whilst the situation um, is around us, uh, the program does have an influence. And, and okay. that does jump up dramatically. I was so surprised. Generation Z, I think sixty-three. I, I call them now the loyal, the loyal Z generation. 
Oh, cool. Um, okay. <laughs> a little word. <laughs> Loyalty generation, you know, 63% of them said, yes, I stay loyal to a brand during this period whose program I'm a member of. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I didn't dig deeper into the why and, and all of that. It's just yeah. more a benchmark to mm-hmm. say that programs have an influence. So, you know, okay. do, do them well, loyalty program managers. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. And and you did make exactly that point. I'm not sure if it was the same section, Adam, but um, I just have a note that 62% of your respondents said, yes, a brand does need a loyalty program to keep its customer loyal. Um, so, <laughs> and I know that's always debated as well. And and I'll challenge you with it because it's it's uh, it's the one that we're always, you know, defending, I would say, in, um, in, in boardroom meetings. The classic example of the opposite uh, perspective is, well, what about Apple? You know, I'm loyal to, you know, my phone and whatever. So when they don't have a loyalty program, I can't, I can't imagine a scenario in which Apple points is a thing. (laughs) So, so a little bit biased, you know, I'm I'm going to say straight away, but I also try to create a bit of a balanced point of view because that question has been asked since 2015. So for over, yeah. you know, a period of time and it has grown over that period of time. Um, but there are people who say, no, brands don't need a program. Just be brilliant at the basics. Great yeah. service, great product, great pricing. You totally. know, you don't need a program. So, yeah. you know, I, I for, for the even as an independent consultant who loves loyalty and loyalty yes. programs, remembering the difference, mm-hmm. is that not everybody needs a program. Mm, I Yeah. You're right. And again, it's up to us to have our kind of, you know, dual hat on to, you know, to the, the point you made earlier around loyalty is the outcome. So how can we help people achieve that? And whether it is yeah. around something like helping them simplify or whatever. And um, there's lots yeah. of ways that might not mean that we're, we're building points or, or games or whatever else that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I think, Adam, we've been through, um, certainly for me, all of the extraordinary highlights of the report. Um, I'm pretty sure we could uh, do at least another hour on it. But um, yeah. what I'm I'm most keen to do is make sure that people know where to find the report. Um, sure. So, yeah. So what I'll do is I'll ask you maybe just to mention that. And then I want to summarize, I suppose, maybe the, the kind of couple of key points that I picked up, Adam, and then we'll make sure people yeah. know where to find you. Yeah, great. Well, look, you know, I really want to thank you. You're doing a tremendous job for the community. Uh, you know, the more we talk about it, find ways, challenge each other, the better we can all be, you know, collectively. So, you know, just a shout out to you to say thanks. Thank um, you. The report is available at my website, uh, thepointofloyalty.com.au. And yeah. as you said, um, you know, this year I've got the New Australian version, New Zealand version, and I'm about to put up onto my site, I think, early next week. Uh, I'm not, yeah, well, it'll be out, um, is the combination, the comparison report as well. Nice. Um, and that is a complimentary executive summary. Um, and then if they want to part with some dollars, it's 370 Australian dollars for the report, the full report, the 80-odd pages. Wow. Um, and, and then I also come along, uh, one of the things that I offer some brands that have taken it up is I do a present, uh, what I call a personal presentation of nice. the report and that um, has also got a, a value on it and they can find that on the website where mm. I go to a boardroom and sit with marketers for a period of time and go through the whole yes. the report, similar to what we've done now and discuss it. 
Yeah. Well, certainly from my perspective, Adam, that's probably the best 370 Australian dollars uh, or any dollars, in fact, that, that any loyalty professional could spend. So I, I highly recommend people do go and get the, the detailed report. So certainly we'll make sure that in the newsletter for this show and again on all of the website links that we have links to to you and to the report to make sure it's accessible. Um, I always like, um, you know, when I read research to kind of say, well, what did I learn? So I was scribbling notes there as you were and giving us your your uh, website address, Adam. So for me, you know, the the plastic cards on the rise, we can't get away from the, the shock factor that certainly in Australia, there seems to be um, an, a renewed interest. So we'll be dying to yeah. see next year whether that uh, continues. Yeah. Um, I think the watch out is the fact that activity levels are the lowest they've been, as you said, in eight years. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's um, our, our caution not to, not to get complacent. And my favorite yeah. really is the whole piece around card linking. So again, it's something that I, I preach uh, whenever I'm asked for, you know, what what can we do? I definitely think it's a, it's a really, really powerful strategy and consumers are obviously loving it. So is there anything else, Adam, that, uh, that you wanted to mention before we wrap up? I think we've done it all. I think you've uh, done a brilliant job in, in questioning me, challenging it, discussing it. There is so much, uh, you know, um, people should enjoy it. It's a, it's, it's a, a good read, if I'm biased. Totally. And, um, you know, thank you very much once again. Wonderful. So, Adam Posner, Chief Executive Officer and founder of The Point of Loyalty. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show. Listener.